Hello and welcome to the Rome Around League podcast. I'm your host, former NFL scout, Tyler Rome. In today's episode, I have special guest Ben Sandy from The Athletic. We hit on the final 53-man roster and preview the upcoming regular season. Also, for any Wizard fans listening, we hit on their exciting offseason at the end of our talk. A lot to get to today, so let's get started. All right, joining me now is Ben Sandy from The Athletic. Always been a huge fan of him, so I'm really happy he's joining Pod. Uh, ben, thanks for joining me. Tyler, what's up, man? Good, good to uh, good to be here. I appreciate you having me on. How's uh, how's life in the fast lane? It's good, man. I'm uh, just enjoying this podcast life and uh, trying to get some more views out here. So I'm hoping to having a big gun like you on the podcast will help me uh, get out there. So <laughs> we'll see what we can do. <laughs> exactly. Well, with you know the final 53 man roster set. Practice squad is pretty much set as well, too. 15 out of 16 spots were filled as of uh, this recording. Um, are there any surprises or anything that you know, sticks out to you from that final 53? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I guess for one, it's it's the it, it's always the initial because it, it, it fluctuates constantly. And then this year, with the extra week between the cutdown day and the season, it's even more so. Washington even made a move today. They brought uh, David Mayo, who at linebacker they cut yesterday, meaning – Tuesday, they brought him back today. Put Derek Forrest on IR, so now they have five linebackers because we're they only had four. Um, that was he was actually the big my biggest surprise because uh, I just figured that was a lock, but I guess it was just a mere formality. Yeah. There was a long relationship between Rivera, Herney, and May and Mayo from Carolina, but no, he's a special teams guy. It's no, it's not the headliners for most people. Um, I mean Jimmy Moreland, it's a surprise, but things started felt like it was sort of heading in that direction. As as time pr- pr- progressed, when you started seeing in practice Kendall Fuller playing a lot more in the slot, mm-hmm. as uh, Benjamin said, used um, the third round pick started the show he could play, and they were using him on the outside. And then when you already have Cam Curl in that essentially a slot role in that Buffalo nickel uh, role, then um, you know it sort of becomes um, where does Jimmy Moreland play? He's not really an, he's kind of small to be on the outside, doesn't play teams. So, you know, it's always hard to say they're going to cut a guy who has proven to be a starter to some degree, you know, could play a high rotation guy. On the other hand, it did feel like it was sort of they had some other options. Guys like Tory McTire uh, flashed uh, throughout the camp. Ron Rivera said Daryl Roberts picked up his game of late and they kept Troy Apke for special teams and he was in that same spot. So that was one. And I really thought they would keep Antonio Gandy Golden. I mean, you're the scout, so I don't know what you thought, but look, they drafted in the fourth round. It wasn't like it was some reach or anything i think people thought that was a reasonable pick last year obviously was a wash for a variety of reasons for him including an injury um and i'm not saying he was like lighting it up in camp or anything but seemed reasonable and based on the investment and the size and all that you thought maybe they would keep him going instead they went with the two smaller guys dax mill and, De- and deandre carter who can be punt returners as well and they went in that direction and that's where they're at yeah i mean with that point with antonio guinea golden I- i'm with you i I was, you know, high on him pre-draft. Um, I knew he was going to take some time coming from Liberty, a small school, uh, you know, big, stiff route runner, but a big guy at 6'4", you know, 220. Um, I, so, yeah, I was a little, I'd say upset, but a little surprised they cut him. Um, I didn't think he was going to get through waivers. I'm actually kind of surprised he made it to the practice squad. I thought some team was going to take a flyer on him just because of those physical traits I mentioned above. And he, he was actually starting to show some things these last two games, either two-point conversion with a you know, nice pull down and the, uh, the corner draped all over him. He had a nice route against Marcus Peters against the Ravens, and that's obviously a Pro Bowl corner uh, against the Ravens as well. So, yeah, I was a little surprised as well that uh, he didn't make the team, and especially when they were going to keep seven receivers anyways. I thought if they were keeping seven receivers, AGG definitely would have been on it. 
But so that, I was a little surprised about that as well. And, you know, I know Ron said that he mentioned that Cam Sims kind of eliminates that need for a big body receiver. But why not have two? Because now you have Cam Sims and basically everyone else is under six foot, including Terry. Um, well, the crazy thing is Gandy Golden cleared waivers. I really thought somebody would take a shot. So this is the part that's always confusing is, you know, it's not just enough to know what your team is from yeah. a, whether you think somebody's good or bad. You have to value compared to everybody else. And, you know, I don't have time to study 32 teams, but I would have <laughs> thought a guy who was a fourth round pick last year, somebody would have said, well, let's take a flyer on that. Somebody must have liked him. But yeah. for whatever reason, they didn't. So Washington got him back. He's on their practice squad. Um, you know, with the new practice squad rules, you can protect four guys every week. I'll be curious to see if he's one of those four guys they protect. Um, yeah. You would think that I would think so. But, you know, what do I know? Um, so anyway, um, you know, it's uh, some people who make fun of like oh, those of us who pay attention to the 53, you know, who's going to make it the team who's not and doesn't matter. Maybe it doesn't because a lot of the guys do get come back on the practice squad with these roles and you know, I understand the end of the roster guys are not always the biggest deal, but the, for me, the point is always like, what's the process? How does the team, what is the team thinking? Do they show that they understand, you know, whatever, whatever is value or, you know, building for a long haul or, you know, just maximizing their assets, those types of things. Um, you know, I think these guys are seem to be doing a reasonable job with that, but uh, you know, whatever, I was surprised. You know, now, but now that it's over, it's not that big of a deal. Who knows how we'll talk about Gandy Gold never again, but it was surprising to me at that time for sure. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And, you know, picking back up one of your points as well, you know, linebacker, you know, Twitter's a buzzing with they want Ben Arnick McKinney and Micah Kaiser. I know they just brought back David Mayo. You think they're done adding that position with, you know, with that Mayo addition, or do you think there's still someone else? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, at this point, they would have to. Um, you know, clear another roster spot. So, I mean, just, you know, uh, I don't know if that's in the cards at this point. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, look, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say those reports are wrong. Cause I, I don't, I don't, I don't know, yeah. but you know, th- like, it's like the Troy Apke thing. Like the people are outraged that he, he made the team and it really drives me insane because Everybody knows that teams keep players for special teams, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, that, that's just the way it is. But I, if people still don't understand that, like, the goal is to have the best 53-player roster for all the things that you do. A special teams is going to happen 15 to 20 plays a game, you know, give or take. Yeah. Um, Danny Johnson played special teams last year. He played zero snaps on at cornerback, even though he was listed as a corner. Perfect world trap. He doesn't play any snaps. And my point is, you asked about the linebackers to say the guys, those people are talking about, they are acting as if these guys are going to come in and play and start. Well, I mean, unless you're telling me they're better than Cole Holcomb, Jamin Davis, and John Bostic, then, then the answer is no. And then the question is, what else are they going to do? If they're not going to play special teams and they don't do anything. Exactly. So, you know, um, you know, look, if, if, if some team cut a guy that you think has a, is, is a diamond in the rough or value, okay, great. Make a move. But, the idea of oh he's a linebacker he started games get him that's you, you, you that's not how this works you need other people to do other stuff it isn't just it isn't just that that now is again sort of the problem with Jimmy Moreland it reached a point where he was a deep enough reserve that, like he had to do other stuff and he didn't so they moved on no I agree and you know going about that linebacker depth like it doesn't I would be I think they're done really with that position because like you mentioned a little bit earlier with Cam Crawl being a play in the Buffalo Nickel or the Landon Collins like those guys they're not going to play. I mean, only two linebackers 75% of the time. So, and you have, you know, you can almost use Landon and Cam Curl almost as a third linebacker, if you want to phrase it that way, um, you know, for most of the, you know, plays in the field. So, um, 
I think, yeah, I think linebacker depth is fine for now. And, you know, obviously maybe something comes out of nowhere, but I think, like you said, I think it's a good way to um, start the season, but, you know, obviously the defense made the roster, Casey Tuhill, Shaka Tony, I think was a little bit of a surprise over William Bradley King, at least by some reporters, Sanders, and uh, even me, I, I thought William Bradley King had a you know good first, you know, two preseason games. Shaka Tony, I think has more upside coming into Penn State. He had a really nice career there. Um, but still, I was a little surprised he made it, you know, over William Bradley King. Do you think they're content in that position or they want another veteran in the room? Because obviously there's a, no really experience besides, you know, behind Chase and Montez there. Yeah, I mean, I think like in a perfect world they would, but you know, again, I mean, it's all relative to what else is out there. They seem to really like James Smith Williams. Um, I think they like Casey Tuhill enough that they've kept him around, even though he missed all of preseason. Interesting, yeah, with a toe injury, and you know, and then Shaka Tony, um, you know, seventh round pick, you know, interesting, an interesting prospect. So you know, I, I think it's one of those things where if Case Young and Montez Sweat play, you know, most play all year, and you have those other defensive linemen that you can you know, maybe even play some at the end, not in a conventional way, but just to maximize players. Exactly. Maybe you can get by. If Chase Young or Montez Sweat misses any time, I mean, then we'll st- then the topic will resurface. I mean, you can't really solve all your all your roster holes at any point. And, you know, it's not even to say that as a whole. I don't know what these guys will do. Maybe James Smith-Williams will become a really good, you know, role player. Or, yeah. or shock and Tony. So it's not like it's inconceivable. It's just that they're unproven. Therefore we don't know. Um, I, you know, that, that, that might keep me up a little bit uh, at, at night, so to speak, but you know, <laughs> it is a position where they do have a lot of other guys. So, you know, it's, it, it's a concern, but it's a concern at a position of strength, which is sort of a weird way to phrase it. Yeah. I get that. And, and another, moving on here, almost like little two-parter, um, you know, Samus Reyes seems, you know, like a fan darling for the most part. Um, I have my opinions on him. I mean, I have this opinion. I'll see if you verify it. Um, I think he cost the team two spots because I don't think they would have kept Ricky Seals Jones if Samus Reyes was so far off from playing and contributing. Do you think that's the case? Do you think if they thought he was available, Ricky Seals Jones wouldn't have made this roster? Or do you think they always would have kept four tight ends regardless? Uh, I mean, you know, last year they kept three. So based on that, I wouldn't say it was a lock. They would keep four. Um, you know, we're focusing on the 2021 season, but you know, b- you know, barring the asteroid striking the planet, there will be a 2022 and a 23 and so on. Yeah. And Re- and Samus Reyes was signed for those seasons. He wasn't signed for this season. They they like they they saw something at that workout at the University of Florida, and from that they were like, oh, we want this guy. And I know other teams were interested as well, so yeah. they made that move. And you know, a guy who had never played football, who his first football game at any level was the first preseason game you can't go into this thinking, well, this guy is going to help us this year. Now there are some things he can do already blocking most notably, I guess Um, he's still definitely a work in progress when it comes to catching. It looks pretty awkward in that regard. And he's going to be unfamiliar with a lot of things. He talked today um, after making the team about how, when he was driving DoorDash, he had time in the car. So he would listen to tape and um, listen to but you know, tape about like what's a four three defense, mm-hmm. th- things along those lines to try to learn. That that's what we're talking about here. It's not like the usual player who they're learning, but they've played high school football, they played pee wee football, they played college football. It's none of that. So they knew what this was. I think keeping four is probably a sign that he's they don't they don't think he's totally ready. Um, but at the same point, if you put him on a preseason IR, they can't practice with the team all year. So he's got to get into practice time in order for this to happen. And also with the um, 
with the with the with the fact you can bring two guys up from the practice squad every week for free, you can afford to have a guy like Samus Reyes basically redshirt and in, in broad daylight and not worry about it that much. So um, I don't think it's a big deal. I mean, whether he plans that, obviously that's the question. Um, I guess they've decided there's reason to think. I will say, like, I, you know, in talking to people around the league, I don't think there's any chance he was going to clear waivers. I think somebody would have picked him up. Um, so, um, you know, I think they did the right thing. And Ricky Seals Jones looked okay. I mean, in um, yeah, in um, in in camp. I mean, the reality is, uh, I always mean to do this, and maybe I'll do this next week. So don't take, don't steal my idea. Uh, but like, basically, uh, who uh, who is the um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not not the most valuable, but like the player they can't afford to lose. What's the word? My brain's not working. Well, whatever. Like, who's the guy they can't afford to lose? It. Logan Thomas is like really high on the list. I mean, because if he goes out, you really. I mean, who knows what they have a tight end? You really kind of have to change some parts of your offense. So um, that's a question. But at the same time, um, you know, I, I think you know Samus Reyes is, is a long term play. Like, like Terapi is about special teams. Reyes is a long term play. So don't worry about him for this season and. You know, they just had to do what they had to do. Yeah, and I agree. The team is in trouble. If Logan goes down, then John Bates is your number one tight end, and he is a better blocker than he is a receiver at this point. And Ricky Silva Jones is a better receiver than he is a blocker. He's had his moments, you know, throughout his three or four year career. Um, but yeah, they definitely need Logan to stay healthy all year because it's going to be scary uh, if not. But you know, picking up the other, you know, fan darling Jarrett Patterson. What do you think his role is going to be for this team going forward? He made the team's the third running back. Um, I, he's going to be active on game days now. I mean, what do you think he has a role on offense or just going to kick returns? You know, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's been a really fun story. We're all curious to see where this goes. But when I mean, you have Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick, I just don't see how those guys aren't on the field as much as possible. Plus, uh, whenever Curtis Samuel comes back, in theory, he'll get some snaps out of the backfield too. So, uh, you know, I don't know what I see a role for Patterson. Obviously, Peyton Barber, the guy he replaced, essentially had a role last year as the um, short yardage back. Peyton Barber also was was made the, the cleared waivers, went to the practice squad. So mm-hmm. presumably, he could be a guy that is up on game days and still handles those short yardage roles if they if they choose to. So I don't know with Patterson beyond special teams. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be the kicker turner. Sounds like DeAndre Carter will probably be in that spot initially, but he he, he could do some of that. He's shown some capability as a. Uh, 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 you know, in some blocking on special teams and some other things. So, you know, I w- w- we'll see. I mean, ultimately, every week you have to have a few guys um, inactive. I would think he would be active because you want to have three running backs. Exactly. But you know, I I don't know if I see a role for him initially in the offense unless something goes wrong with Gibson or McKissick, or he just keeps impressing so much in practice they have no choice. But I mean, again, a great story. Excited to see where this goes. Um, you know, he he's obviously everywhere he goes, he. he proves people wrong and we'll see what happens yeah i mean we have barry sanders tweeting about you you know during the day and giving you a shout out I'm excited to see what you can do obviously there's going to be some high hopes for you from your fan base so um you know definitely a cool moment for him there and i think he you know can contribute but again i don't like you like picking back off what you said obviously you know curtis when he comes back to be ahead of them if you get to get some carries in the backfield and obviously tano gibson and jd mckissick um and you know you know picking back off that as well you know is it time to be worried about Curtis? Because, you know, hasn't practiced all in training camp, basically missed half a mini camp. You think Is he going to be ready next Sunday? Well, I mean, I have no idea. We're talking on a Wednesday. They didn't have a real practice today. Mm-hmm. Thursday, they have a padded practice. You know, far be it for me to guess at this point because I have no idea because we haven't seen anything. But, like, if he's not out there for this, it, it's just like, you know, are you going to really put him out there at the beginning of practice for next week and have him playing a game when he hasn't played – in, he hasn't been on the field in a real practice, you know, since 
Might have. I mean, yeah, I mean, he was in an OTA or something back then, and it's been that long, and they've told us many times he's close, he's close. I mean, I don't know how close he could be if he hasn't been back. So, you know, I mean, I've heard different conflicting aspects of this. So I, I don't know. I mean, and, you know, I keep kind of making this point. They keep blowing it off. But it's not just he's the, you know, the other receiver with McLaurin. He's a he's a and I'm not saying he's a gadget player, but he's a guy that you use in a lot of different ways. You use him outside, you use him in the slot, you use him out of the backfield. I don't know. It feels like you want to get that guy out there and, and try different things. It is, I know the coaching staff knows him, but Fitzpatrick hasn't played with him yet. No. Um, I know McLaurin played with him in college. Well, college was a long time ago, and you, you know other things. So, plus, like just get him on the field. So, I don't know. To me, it is confusing. I don't get it. I, you know, because I'm only going off of what R- Rivera said. It's not like if they, they did, if they said he was at a month, and it's been a month, then okay, now we know. But he kept saying he was close. He's close, and it's not happening. So, yeah. Yeah, hopefully we'll see, see him out there because the team, I think definitely he's going to be a battle for this offense for sure. And do you, know, you think, you know, the fans should be worried about the lack of sustained success for Fitzpatrick in the first string offense you know, during the preseason? I know some people were upset they didn't play in the third game. I was cool with it, obviously. You saw exactly what could happen, evidence in that game with J.K. Dobbins tearing his ACL on the other side. Um, do you think it's time to worry about I think, you know, obviously they didn't have, I would say, insane success. They had some flashes, but, you know, what's your opinion on it? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not that worried about the preseason one way or, or, or the other. I guess it's just, you know, it's Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, it's a fun story. He's obviously, it's an incredible journey through football, through life that he that he has. And, and it's, it'll be interesting to watch and should be a lot of fun with the way he plays. But, you know, whatever stat you want to pick, you know, he's bounced around all over the place, you know, 800 different teams over, over all these years. He, you know, he's He's uh, never, never, won, never been to a playoff game. Never, you know, never, never, never started one. Whatever. Like, yeah. I, I, I just don't know what he is. I mean, it's ironic that on some level, if the defense lives up to the hype that people think, and he has these playmakers around him, but they did seem like they upgraded. Like, you just need a guy to be that sort of game manager type, sort of an Alex Smith type. Uh, you know, ironically, instead they have the ultimate gunslinger who's that uh, throws the ball over the place, and I he'll be better than what they had last year. I'm not going to argue. I'm, I mean, I definitely think that he'll be more aggressive and throwing the ball down the field. But at the same point, he, he you know, you watch in practice sometimes to make a great throw, and sometimes you're like, where on earth did that go? And you don't have to forget practice. Just watch him his whole career. This is what it is. So, can you minimize the the the, the, the potential damage? I mean, that's ultimately the question here. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a roller coaster ride, I think, for fans this year with Fitzpatrick. There's going to be some highs and there's going to be some lows, but obviously, it's hopefully those highs outweigh the lows because the team has the potential to do some damage if they get you know quality quarterback play. Um, you know, is is there a rookie that you think will make the most impact for the team this year? Um, yeah, I'll I'll go with Benjamin St. Juice, not because he not just because he has a really good first name. Um. He's he's looked good in out there, and like I said before, with Moreland. I mean, you know, he's got really good size. He's got length. He's they already look look to feel pretty comfortable using him outside. Now, granted, it's practice, and that's going to be different than when they go out to, to 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 real games against real opponents. You know, and obviously they face a lot of really good quarterbacks this year. But he looks like he should play a lot. I think ultimately their go to secondary in their sub package, which is what they play the most, is probably going to be. St. Juice and William Jackson on the outside, Kendall Fuller in the slot, and Landon Collins, and I'll guess Cam Curl, but could be Bobby McCain. Um, yeah, I, I think that's going to be a really predominant look for them, and I think St. Juice is he's looked good. So 
you know, I think that to me would probably be the the, the, the one. I mean, I like Deami Brown. I mean, obviously Sam Cosme is starting at right tackle, so he's going to be playing all the time. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not discounting him. He looked he looked bad. He certainly got better. I thought as camp progressed, but we'll see. Here, obviously, rookie offensive rookie tackles. You know, that can be a, a, a rough go. Um, so we'll see how that goes. And then there's of course you know the first round pick, Jamin Davis. I feel like he's um, you know, this is not about the long term. This is just about right now. It feels like, you know, the lights haven't completely turned on yet. So yep. he's got probably a little bit ways to go. But, you know, I, I had Greg Cosell on my podcast and he was saying he watched tape on the first two games and thought that he saw evidence that suggests that this kid's going to be what people what people hope for. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see about that. But, yeah, I would say if you made me pick one and I just named like a bunch, but St. Juice would be the one for me that I think has the has the biggest impact year one. Yeah, I, I definitely could see that. I mean, you know, hitting on Jamin, I kind of see the same thing. It just you could still, still tell he's taking a little bit too much out there. Um, so obviously, I think that will come in time. We have some more reps, more experience he gets. And um, pre-draft was a big Deami Brown guy. I thought he was going early second round. Left his deep playability, great hands, um, smooth route runner. So I think he will contribute to this team. Might be more in 2022 though. And then obviously Benjamin St. Juice. I agree with you. You know, Kendall Fuller had his best year of his career at you know slot in this for this team and in his actual NFL career back in 2018. So putting him back there in nickel and having St. Juice on the outside with the Wilton Jackson is going to be, you know, some of the great trio corners they haven't had in a while. And St. Juice, you know, I liked him coming out of Minnesota, love his length and stuff, but, you know, he was a little handsy. And I think there was a little evident in training camp from what I heard too. So hopefully you can learn to pass that. I know even his hands weren't the greatest in Minnesota either, but as long as he gets his hand on it and at least pass deflections, that'd be great too. But, um, you know, again, I think it's going to be hopefully a good rookie class for Washington this year. Um, you know, so you know, speaking of that defense side of the ball, do you think this – what's the ceiling for this defense? The top five defense, you know, or what are your expectations for the defense this year? Um, you know, I think people have been overrating them slightly based on last year because obviously last year they played a bunch of backup quarterbacks. It was a weird year, what what have you. Clearly the defensive line is all kinds of promising, and Matt Ioannidis is back for after he got hurt a season-ending injury last year in week three. They have upgraded at, at you know, at safety – or out of the, you know, Landon Collins being back, he's looked good in camp. They, they add William Jackson. Um, you know, Ronald Darby was good last year, but in theory, Jackson has a higher ceiling. Yeah. So it should be better. And if once Jamin Davis figures some things out, then that's even a whole other component that that they'll have. So, um, I, you know, if you want to say top uh, top five, sure. Um, <laughs> but I, I guess, you know, sort of, you know, this group that was really good, you know, gave up 500 yards in the playoffs to Tampa Bay last year, which I, I get it. They won the Super Bowl, Tom Brady, but you know, I'm just saying like, if you're, if you're that type of defense, you shouldn't be giving up 500 yards to, to anybody. Um, but they should be, they, they have a chance to be really good and they're going to have, obviously have to be that good for this team to carry this team. Cause it doesn't seem like the offense will be a, a team that's consistently scoring, you know, 30 points a game or anything. Um, yeah. but, but, but the potential is there and, you know, uh, Somebody asked me earlier, like, what's a, what's one word to describe this team? And I and I went with potential because when you have guys like Chase Young and Montez Sweat and Deron Payne and John Allen who are all on the upswing, I don't know what their ceilings are, right? So, you know, if you tell me Chase Young and Montez Sweat each do get, I don't know, 12 sacks this year, you know, what does that do? Does Deron Payne become a, you know, do enough to generate pro, pro bowl attention, things like that? So they could be really good. Um, I'm not, you know, I wouldn't doubt that. Um, I just kind of want to see it before I proclaim they're a top five defense. Yep. And I agree with that as well. And, um, and now do a little, you know, fun part of the podcast, do some predictions over and under for the year. Um, let's go uh, over under uh, Fitzpatrick, 25 passing touchdowns. How many, how many did you say? 25. 
Um, I mean, I'll say over. He's going to throw it a lot, and why not? And I don't, like, the only reason I would guess I would go under is if I see him getting benched at some point. I don't see him getting benched for Taylor Heineke. He, I just, like, if they go 0-3 or something, and he's just been terrible, I guess anything's possible. I, it's not like in Miami where you wanted to, or most of Fitzpatrick stops, where you had the young guy, you wanted to yeah. get in there, and he was the stopgap. There's no stopgap here, um, I don't think, unless you know Heineke or Kyle Allen just completely take off to levels we haven't. We, we that doesn't seem likely. Um, so I'll go over because I think Fitzpatrick will play barring injury. You know the whole season. Yeah, I agree. I'm gonna go over too, but just slightly. You know, definitely, like I said, the Fitzpatrick experience will get the Fitz magic, the Fitz tragic, but uh, we'll see what happens this year. Uh, Antonio Gibson, uh, 1700. Excuse me, yeah, 1700 total yards over under. Uh boy, seventeen hundred. Um, you know, I, I've been pretty bullish on Gibson. I hadn't really put a number to it. Um, seventeen hundred feels like a lot, but at the same time, um, you know, he looks pretty good, uh, or at least you know he, he's been he's been okay. He's been picking it up from the toe injury that I think was clearly an issue earlier in the offseason. Um, I'll go optimistic and say over. Um, I do have some questions, I guess, about the offensive line. And again, Fitzpatrick with the turnovers and, you know, it's, you need the ball to get the yards kind of thing. Um, yeah. but, but but I'll go over. I mean, I think Gibson will be utilized more as a passer. And, you know, he's obviously incredibly explosive. Uh, and he really was just learning the position kind of last year. So I'll, I'll go over as a nod to optimism. Exactly. I'm bullish as well on him. I think he's I think we'll go over. I can see 1,200 yards rushing that, you know, give him 500, 600 yards receiving. You know, he was a receiver in college. Um, and like you said, he's still learning the position, and I think the sky's the limit for that guy. Uh, you know, Terry McLaurin, over under 1,250 yards. Well, I mean, another one, I, I feel like it should be over. I mean, if you look at the stats he's had his first two years, then you realize his quarterbacks were in some order Case Keenum, Colt McCoy, Dwayne Haskins, yep. uh, Kyle Allen, Alex Smith, and, you know, in the regular season. Um, I mean, it's pretty wild that he's been as productive as he's been, but he is that, you know, he is really good, obviously, you know, speed, polished route runner, locker room leader, all that stuff. It's Patrick will be aggressive. Um, so yeah. And, and, you know, he was doing a pretty good job in, in camp, especially back in Richmond going up against, uh, William Jackson. So, uh, I'm, I'm a big McCorn believer. So, uh, you know, without having like done the math, like how, you know, how many people they have and, you know, all these kinds of things like, you know, if he's getting that many yards, what does that mean for Logan Thomas or Curtis Samuel or everybody else? But, um, you know, in isolation, I, I would go over. Yeah, I agree with you. I'll go over, too, just because, you know, you hit the nail on the head with the quarterback play that he's had to deal with. And Fitzpatrick's going to be the most consistent guy he's had. And, you know, was in that draft, I was, you know, higher on DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown. And those guys are great NFL young players. But those guys, in fact, you know, DK has Russell Wilson and A.J. Brown's at Tannehill and, you know, Terry – you know, criminally underrated, not making a top 100. It's been a bus topic as well with guys, like you said, the carousel quarterback. It's been more impressive what he's been able to do. And like you said, the sky's the limit. I think, I think 13, 1300 definitely is in, you know, in play for him, if not more. Um, we'll go Chase Young Sacks, uh, 10 and a half. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, again, I mean, it feels like, feels like you got to go over. I mean, he was, you know, just under that. Last year, what do you have? Eight, eight and a half. Uh, Seven and a half. Yeah. St- still, you know, learning and, and and all that kind of stuff. And he missed, you know, what a, a more or less two games um, 
with with an injury. So, um, you know, I'll go over. Obviously, he's looked good in camp. Um, you know, he appears poised. I guess to be super honest, <laughs> the big question for some of these guys is going to be the COVID aspect, right? I mean, uh, yeah. you know, are, are you know, I don't we don't definitively know who's vaccinated, who's not. But if you if you're not, then um, if you or whether you're a close contact or you test positive, you're going to be out a longer duration of time. And depending on how the schedule goes, this is something Ron Rivera talks about, like where you are in the schedule, you could miss two games. So, um, yeah. so that would be my concern from a number perspective, but just in terms of performance. Yeah. Look, I think Chase Young is, is, is poised for bigger. I really think Montez sweat to me is like, he is just looks so good in, in camp, I think. And, and, you know, it feels like if, if Chase Young didn't exist, the, the Montez sweat talk and hype would be, really significant so the fact that like you know again uh, how many sacks can both guys get and then you have the other pieces inside um i i think i think they're both you know they look to be ready to have a pretty big season so i'm excited to see what they can do on on that front yeah i mean not to go super duper you know high analysis chase yeah i think he could definitely get over 10 and a half um, looking for that week one matchup against him and um, Rashawn Slater, because as many talk as myself included, when people were trying to talk about Rashawn Slater, the first round pick for the Chargers, they were saying how he held his own against Chase at Ohio State. So I think Chase is going to put on a show that week one against the Chargers. I think you've probably heard a little of that, that talk about how Slater kind of made his hay on uh, his performance against Chase at Ohio State and, and when he was at Northwestern. Um, picking back off what we just talked about, Chase and Montez, 25 sacks combined then. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'll I'll go <laughs> over for everybody. I mean, I'll I'll go I'll go over. I mean, you know, uh, you know how the, you know how it goes with a sack. You know, you got to get you got to get a you know handful of lucky ones where the quarterbacks in the quarter falling down. And you're right there, but yeah, like I said, Montez Sweat to me has looked just so good in camp, and uh, you know, I don't know how if you're the opposing team, you know, you can't you can't double all these guys. You know, exactly. pick pick your poison. You can double Chase, okay? Well, then Montez up. You can double both somehow. Well, then the guys in the middle or running free, uh, or one-on-one. So, um, I, the potential is there, you know, more than the specific numbers, the potential is there. And that's why, um, you know, this group should be really interesting. So I'll, I'll, I'll go over. I really do think Montez Sweat is poised for a pretty big year. Yeah, I agree. I think over 25 as well. Yeah. Montez, like you said, if Chase was in the picture, Montez would be get a lot more love. Um, you know, he's just as, you know, maybe a step below Chase, but, you know, definitely one of the best young defenses in the NFL. Um, you know, staring away a little bit from the overrunner in these next two ones, really, I mean, you got to, who do you think will be lead the team in tackles and uh, who will lead the team in interceptions? Uh, in tackles, you know, you, you don't want to have anybody in the secondary lead the team in tackles. Um, <laughs> but Cole Holcomb is the one linebacker, I think, who's going to play three down. So I guess I would go with Cole Holcomb as opposed to Landon Collins um, because of that. I mean, you know, whatever line, I mean, they were doing some funky lineups out there at times. They had like five defensive linemen, five in the secondary and one linebacker or five and two or four, two and five or whatever. And whatever it is, Cole Holcomb is the one that's on the field. So that's where I would, that's where I would just go. Uh, again, if, if, if somebody, in the, I mean, if, if, if they're playing five DB and Landon Collins is more or less playing a linebacker type role, even if we're not going to call him that just from a, you know, we're closer to the scrimmage than than it could be him, but I'll, I'll I'll go with Cole Holcomb. And as far as interceptions go, boy, you know that's always a tricky one. Uh, I'll go Cam Curl. He seems like he's just around the ball a lot, and um, yeah, and you know I'll, I'll go with him. 
Yeah, you, you took mine too. Uh, I'll, I'll go with Jamin Davis, be a little different in case, you know, maybe he gets into third down territory later in the year once he gets more comfortable playing. And I was going Cam Curl as well, but I'll do a little um, nod to Kendall Fuller too because obviously he had, I think he had three or four picks in his first five or six games last year before, you know, not getting one the second half of the season. But, you know, Kendall has great hands as well, so I think that could be a play for him to lead the team in interceptions. And, you know, lastly, you know, over under, the big one, the one that, you know, most fans care about, uh, nine and a half wins for the team. What do you think? Well, this is the million-dollar question, right? I mean, I guess I have to go under because I don't know if they're eight and nine or nine and eight, but like, it's not that they can't go over. But like, I I, I would be lying if I said to you I feel pretty convicted one way or the other about this team. I mean, as as crazy as last year was from the football perspective, a lot went their way. Um, and you know, they, they did have some good momentum late. There's a reason to be optimistic, but I don't know. I mean, you know, Fitzpatrick is Fitzpatrick. I, I just don't know how I can sit here and say he's going to automatically get 10 wins. Um, I, there is the extra game. So that does make it a little bit different for sure. Um, I, I'll go under, but like, I'm not feeling like convicted on it. Like, uh, you know, like I feel like it's either they're going to get like, you know, 10, 11 wins or five wins. Like I, I don't, I, I mean, like I can see the extremes, but I really, I mean, I'm not trying to be wishy-washy. I really just don't have a good feel for what I think is going to happen. And preseason didn't do much for me to tell on that one either. Yeah, no, I, I feel the same way. I think, I think maybe you know the the scale will be seven to eleven wins. I could see them thing breaking right, getting eleven. Like I said, it's like stuff can fall apart if this prison play well. You know, Heine gets to play, they can go you know the other way. So just to be different. I'll go over. I'll say they get to ten, but. Um, you know, I guess you can answer it just now, but like, do you see, I guess you can't really say you have a ceiling for the team of what you said, you can't get a feel for it, but could you see, could you see this team winning the division again and you know, maybe winning a playoff game this year as opposed to last year? Um, you know, that's the thing, right? So part of the win total is because they're in a lousy, what looks like a lousy division. So you could potentially get some wins. Of course, they don't play the division really until the, you know, the last five games of the season, except Very for high. week two. Um, and so uh, the idea of like, well, they have to, you know, in order for them to make the playoffs, you would think they would have to win the division. That's certainly in the cards. I mean, unless Dak Prescott just has a, a great year, which, you know, we'll see, or the Giants, it seem like they're having a lot of issues right now. But, yeah. you know, I, I think there's some reason to be optimistic about them. I'm sort of dismissing the Eagles. Um, you I know, I, like I said, I, I don't want to keep putting this all about Fitzpatrick, and I, who, again, I think is an upgrade of what they had, but. I, I just, it's just hard for me to sit here and go, they're going to win a playoff game. Could they win this division? Sure. Absolutely. But to win a playoff game, you know, that, that, that's going another level. So I'll say no winning a game, they could make the playoffs, but they could, you know, they could be eight, nine, just like they kind of were last year and win this division based on how things might be going. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think it's going to either be, I think it will be a good season, hopefully for the fans. I think they will be competitive all year round, regardless. Um, Especially, really, that, that could be more indicative of the division, though. Um, like you said, I think Philly's out of it. You're really competing with Dallas and the Giants. The Giants obviously have their own problems right now. So um, this division is going to be interesting. It's going to be hopefully interesting watching the football team season. And I think uh, the fan base is looking forward to it. Uh, um, lastly, um, well, go ahead. you have to say something, Ben? No, no, no. I'm all good. Okay. Uh, yeah, lastly, um, you know, and I'm sure there's some Wizards fans listening to this podcast. Uh, but if you're not a Wizard fan, feel free to turn off. Um, get a dive in a little bit of Washington Wizards um, news. I'm a huge Wizards fan. I love hearing you on Fred Katz podcast. You give some of the best insight on Wizards in the town. 
Um, obviously, a lot of change in the offseason, you know, moving around Russell Westbrook and everything, a whole basically secondary playmakers of this team around Bradley Beal. Um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on the moves made? And, you know, what, what do you expect coming, you know, coming up this season? Um, so it's sort of two things. I think that Tommy Shepard did a pretty good job with the hand that he's been dealt. I think that's kind of the way it's been since he's gotten here. Um, if you had told me a year and a half ago that they would have been able to trade, gotten off the John Wall and Russell Westbrook contract without having to give up any first round picks net. They got one back this year for the one they gave up when they traded Mm -hmm. Wall out. And then that they got all these extra players um, you know, the Kuzmas, the the, the Contavia Caldwell Popes, that plus effectively they got Spencer Dinwiddie w- was factored in to this. Exactly. They got that first round pick that they turned into Aaron Holiday. Like they definitely add a lot more depth. Like th- this team is uh, differently constructed than last year. And I think in some ways um, it's certainly a deeper team. There's no arguing that. Sure. Um, on the other hand, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know where they're going. I mean, there's no... I don't know what the ceiling is. I guess if you tell me Kyle Kuzma or Rui Hachimura or Denny Avdia, you know, have a breakout year. Okay. But like, I, you know, I, I can't, I don't, they're not, it's not, it doesn't seem like that's a projection that anybody would, would, would have. And while I was an advocate of keeping Bradley Beal, as long as you had Waller Westbrook around, because um, you know, I think you, I wouldn't want to have a locker room with, with, the, with just one of those two guys as sort of the adult in the room, so to speak. But at the same point, I thought once you got rid of Westbrook, that this is the opportune time to trade Beal and take the lumps and say, okay, we're, we're going to start over. But now we have all these Lakers things. We're going to get a ton of stuff for Beal. You're already like pretty, you know, pretty deep into the rebuild, so to speak. It's not like it's going to be, you know, dramatically painful, or whatever. But they didn't do that because, as I always say on Fred's podcast and elsewhere, that like, you know, it doesn't feel like the goal here is to win a title. It's a business. The goal is to make the playoffs put some butts in seats over the course of a year. And, and, you know, and I, I get it from a business perspective, but, you know, from a winning perspective, then, you know, uh, again, I think, I think they're interesting. Uh, you know, Bradley Beal gets better, has gotten better every year. They have, they have a lot, they have a deeper team, um, you know, excited to see what some of these pieces can do. But at the same point, I, I just don't know what their upside is. I mean, even if you tell me it's a six seed, like I, I don't, they're, they're miles behind it, you know, Milwaukee, um, the Nets, you know, we'll see what happens with Philly with yeah. the um, with with the Ben Simmons, but like you know, Atlanta obviously had a big run last year. Even a team like Indiana, which is basically on the same level as the Wizards last year, Indiana had a bunch of guys hurt. They'll presumably be back. So, I mean, you know, they might be the ninth seed or something in this. And I just almost like I I don't know what's the point of all that then, other than just hey, you need you need to show you can do something to get people to show up and hope hope for the best. Yeah, I you know, definitely said point of view and obviously the way you you know alluded to ted and everything the way they just want to fill the seats or whatever you know at that point you, you obviously just you know hope the best and try to get one more star for brad and obviously you said brad's get better every year and that's you know no secret the way he's improved over the last three or four years do you think i think he can take another step I mean, with, with him i think obviously his threes have you know tailed off last couple of years let's see if he gets his threes back up to 40 percent do you that that could be 35, 34, 35 points a game again? I don't know if that will happen, but could you theoretically see him doing that and then maybe be considered a top 10 player? And then that's a guy that you say, Oh, that is the number one player on your championship roster. Cause I know that's the biggest thing about everyone's like, Oh, Brad isn't a number one on the team, which again, I, I definitely see that argument. But let's say he adds, like I said, that three back to his game, was able to keep that mid range he's added. And then when he gets to the basket at, at will, 
um, do you think if he, you know, does that, he could be, you know, considering that, you know, top echelon of NBA players? If he could do that, sure. I don't think that's realistic, <laughs> though. I mean, I, you know, if, based on like historical norms, him averaging even 30 points a game would sort of be pretty, pretty incredibly rare based on NBA history. And I mean, as much as Beal continues to improve, you know, he's the guys who are ultimately the, the best in the league tend to have some incredibly elite something elite athleticism some elite trade i don't think brad has that again very good he is sending in the three-point shooting has been weird if you had told yeah. me when he came in the league that at this point he'd be scoring his points by getting to the basket more than shooting i'd be like what um so it's weird and <laughs> hopefully maybe the new coaching staff can help make him be more efficient and get to 38 percent from three or whatever and then it's easier but at the same point um no he, he's not he's not the best player on a title contender uh not, no um so you know, and that's sort of my point. I just don't know what the upside here is. Um, as good as he is, you know, there there is no that that the ceiling is capped to a degree. So um, no, um, I don't I don't see that. But but he's like I said, he gets better every year. Yeah, adds more more tricks to his arsenal, and I'm excited to see what he comes up with this year. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I like the Spencer Dinwiddie addition. I think it's gonna be a really you know good backcourt and you know stuff. And I think West Hensel Jr. is gonna be. Hopefully a good coach for the team and we'll see what happens for him. And, um, you know, exciting time here in the district with, you know, Washington Bowl team already start. Wizards starts the next month. Hopefully we'll get some winning vibes back in uh, the D.C. area. But, um, you know, Ben, thank you so much for joining. I really appreciate it, man. And uh, thank you for your time. Hey, Tyler, I really appreciate it, man. Good luck with the podcast. Thanks, man. You have a good one. Well, that will conclude this Run Run League episode. I want to thank Ben again for joining the show and a great conversation. The final 53 in Patrick Scott is set, and we're regular season ready. Can't wait for kickoff next Sunday versus the LA Chargers. Next week, I'll be back with the matchups, the fantasy football matchups I like for week one, and a new episode previewing the Chargers game. You can follow me on Twitter at NFLScout21, Instagram at RomanOnLeague underscore pod. Thanks for listening. Please rate and subscribe. This is your host, Tyler Roman, signing off. See you next time.